Greetings, oddballs. I'm Quest. I'm Shay. And welcome to season three of Tis Odd Podcast. We want to make it very clear that we are not traders. Okay. No, we don't trade anything and we don't know what the heck that review was about on Facebook. That was insane. I was, I clicked on it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at this review. We got how cool yeah. I click on it. And this guy's like, Oh, I've worked with this, these traders and they're wonderful. Blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, so we're traders now. That's pretty cool. <laughs> we're really branching out. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Tiz on training. <laughs> From the Middle East. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely where that guy was from. So, I mean, for sure. I was like, great. Yeah. So, whatever. I got it blocked though. So it should be off there now. Okay. I was wondering since if it was a, re- since if it was, <laughs> if we were going to be able to <laughs> rusty. get rid of it, since it was, since if it was a review. Yeah. I got it off there. I went back and checked and I was like, oh, yeah. Now we got all the oddballs on there now and not. Any creepers with spam links and stuff. Lord help us. So we need to do a little bit of talk in here about some UFO action. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's insane. It's been awesome. It's been so cool. If you hadn't looked any up yet, you need to look up UFOs recorded in Las Vegas. I think New York City has them too. But Mm -hmm. they just look like spheres that are moving crazy speeds. They make no sense across. We're not talking about the... Chinese balloons that being popped and shot down by no, we're not talking uh, about fighter that. jets right now. No, we're really excited about this new season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be unlike any other ones we've had. We know that a lot of people listen to our our podcast for the stories and for the true crime and the cryptids and all that spooky stuff, and we are a hundred percent on board with that. Yes, we love talking about that too, but. This season, I want every, I would really love for everyone to just be prepared to hear us do a lot more discussions about things that might be going on, or we're going to have some pretty awesome content this year. We're not going to put ourselves in a box anymore. I just quit my job. Yes. At Corporate America Woo! this Friday. I am so happy. I've had it for three and a half years. I thought it's what I wanted. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I went to school to be a paralegal and then I moved to Tennessee and I quickly realized like you can't just jump into a paralegal career without any experience. So I'm like, oh, I'll get this office job, yeah. get some experience for a year and a half, maybe a couple of years. But then the pandemic hit and then it was like, well, I can work from home like this. A lot of people don't have a job. I need to be grateful and keep this job. Kept it. Then I moved to West Virginia again and I was grateful to have it because I had a job when I moved. And most people... Don't have that. And then another year goes by and I am so miserable. The thought of working the next day was just crippling to me. Like my anxiety, depression was at an all time high. And even with like medications, whatever it may be, they were helping with my personal life. But my professional life was falling. I mean, like drastically dropping. Like my happiness was just not where it was supposed to be. Um, I'm not cool with sitting at a desk all day. It's just not for me. Yeah. I'm happier. That's all that really matters. 
I love my family so much. And especially I've got three beautiful nieces that I love seeing. I bar- feel like I barely got to see them. I yeah. barely got to see you. I know. I mean, and the podcast suffered because of it. I mean, yeah. it really dropped my mental health where I wasn't, I'm on a computer all day. I don't want to sit on computer the rest of the evening. But needless to say, oh, I definitely missed that. I know you did. And oh, man, I was done. We're looking forward to posting this season. It's going to be unreal. We're super excited about it. And we hope you are, too. Yeah. So happy Valentine's Day. February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1985. Uh, Douglas Peltzer was going to his ex-wife's Cassandra Rundle's house. He was heading there to drop off some Valentine's Day presents for Cassandra. Um, and her two children, 12-year-old Diedrich and 10-year-old Melanie. So Douglas and Cassandra had been divorced for two years at this point. Um, but they were really good friends. Like, they hung out. They talked on the phone. They got along really good. It's one of those divorces where you're like, why did y'all get divorced? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> um, but he even took her out to dinner on occasion. Uh, he just He really enjoyed her company and he really cared about her. He would often call Cassandra and he'd stop in and check on her and the children. Douglas ran the local tattoo parlor and by everybody's accounts, he was a very sweet and respectful guy. Nice. Just cool dude. That's good. Yeah. So he had only just seen Cassandra on the 12th and he told her that he was going to be over on Valentine's Day with gifts. Um, But when he arrived at 412 Laclede Avenue, he found that Cassandra and her two children had been murdered. Oh, no. Gosh, that was like... A gut punch. I was like, I'm sorry about oh, it. he brought gifts over on Valentine's Day and they're already divorced. Yeah, they've been divorced and, like, for two years. He brought her Valentine's mm-hmm. Day gifts. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Yeah, and for the kids too. Oh so. my gosh, I'm going to cry. So he immediately ran next door to Dave Boardman's house, completely hysterical, and then the police were called. When the police arrived, they discovered Cassandra's nude and bound body. Um, on her bed, she was bound with electrical cord. My gosh. She and her daughter, Melanie, had both been raped and beaten before being strangled to death. Melanie was beaten so badly that her skull was fractured. Oh, my Lord. It was later determined that in the middle of the crimes against his mother and sister, Diedrich had walked in. At some point, he was also tied up and beaten. Um, and they were beaten with a hockey stick. Oh, my God. Could they just tell that off of like their wounds or was the hockey stick there? It was there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, they were all beaten with hockey sticks before they were all strangled to death. Cassandra was a very bright and somewhat shy woman. Everyone who knew her described her as being super full of love. Like She just loved, she loved love. Yeah. She's one of those people. And she was a great mom. She was a former Miss Morgantown, West Virginia. Morgantown? Yes. That is not far from us. Not at all. It's pretty cool that it just popped up in this case. It was random too. Wow. Like, I had no idea this case was connected to West Virginia whenever I first started. And then I'm, like, almost done with my research, and I see, boom, Whoa. Morgantown. It meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she worked for the Rape Coalition in Colorado Springs. Wow, really? Yeah. That's interesting. I saw one source that said that she was particularly, she was really passionate about it. people that, like, survived that sort of ordeal. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just, she just really wanted to help. Her first husband was Stephen Sturm. Uh, he was also the father of her children. They were high school sweethearts from Morgantown, West Virginia, and they were divorced in 1974. At the time of her murder, he was living in Dayton, Ohio, which okay. is, that's important. 
Um, Douglas was Cassandra's second husband, and she met Douglas a year after her divorce while they were both students at the University of Southern Colorado. They were married in 1977, and that same year, Cassandra graduated with a bachelor's degree in behavioral science. Wow. That's not easy. <laughs> no, she's she's really amazing. Nice. The next year, they moved to Colorado Springs. They divorced in 1983, and the next year, Cassandra began searching for love by the way of posting in the classified ads. Oh, okay. Uh, we've just, seen that before in the Harry ba- uh, Powers Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, her first post was in July, and it read, Blonde, green eyes, 5 foot 2 inches, 95 pounds, seeking a rugged individualist. I'm a free spirit, independent, well-educated, somewhat shy, sensitive, and enjoy life. I'm a one-man woman looking for a good man. Please send a photo and a short letter. The second ad, placed about a month or so later, said, Warm, together, bright, beautiful, and modest lady, seeking friendship with a gentleman of quality and character. 30 to between 30 and 40 years old. And this was in the 80s? Yes. Wow. The way she writes is so eloquent. Like, yeah. it almost sounds like she's in the 50s or the 60s uh-huh. when she's writing this. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Yeah, you can tell that she's um, educated and she's got a good head on her shoulders, it wow. sounds like. And tiny. 95 <laughs> pounds. And tiny. I noticed that right off the bat. I was like, holy cow, that's, okay. that's small digits. <laughs> Okay, little house on the prairie, I see you. Uh, Cassandra received a total of 85 responses from men who saw her posts and they were interested in her. Her friends and even Douglas, he, he they all knew about it. Um, they stated that even though Cassandra was looking for love and for somebody to spend her life with, she also just thought that it was fun. I mean, yeah. who doesn't? It's an adventure. It's just like with online dating. Yeah. If you don't take it too seriously, it can be a good time. You just got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, back then, I feel like it would be more exciting because you were dealing with letters. Yes. And I always said, I think it'd be cool to have a pen pal in 2023. Like, oh, I would love that. I think that'd be so cool. I don't know. And like, hey, maybe you guys can uh, write us, <laughs> send us some letters. Yeah. Open up a P.O. box and you guys can send us letters. I would love to have an Australian pen pal. I think that would be cool. I don't know why. <laughs> Specifically Specifically Australian. Australian. Because every time they would write the word no, I'd be like, no. No. I, I would hear it. <laughs> no. She'd gone out on lunch dates with about a dozen of these men and had told her friends and family that it was mostly just a great time and she loved meeting new people. Um, But, of course, these 85 potential lovers turned to 85 suspects. And out of those 85, zero ended up being announced as suspects by the police. Wow, that's surprising. Mm Because immediately my first thought was she put herself out. I mean, not that it's her fault. Don't mistake what I'm saying, but... I mean, she put that info out there, mm-hmm. then those 85 people are probably, not all of them, but, you know, there no. at least somebody in there is probably a little bit creepy. Odds are, somebody's a creep. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think, too. Yeah. They followed through with each of these guys. They spoke to them all, but were not convinced that any of them had anything to do with it. Um, however, the evening of her murder, Douglas suspected that Cassandra had brought a man home from the bar. Now, he said this because she told him that along with the ads that she'd been posting, she'd also enjoyed going to local bars and chatting with men, which there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's normal. Especially if you're shy and the idea of like approaching somebody in a normal day to day situation kind of freaks you out. Yeah. You know, because I mean, it's a gamble if if you're like, I'm going to try to meet somebody at work. 
whatever, you have to put yourself out there. Oh, that's so scary. (laughs) I mean, I definitely don't recommend asking someone at work. Don't, 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 don't do that. that. Mm Because you're going to, you could get in a lot of trouble, first of all. (laughs) This is not the office. No, that's not not how it works. Um, You know, and then, but like, I noticed that like people at bars, I mean, I don't go to bars now, but I know that back in the day um, when I used to bar hop, it was a little bit easier to talk to people that are at bars because they seem more available and more approachable. Yeah. And it's like, they expect it. Yeah. It's not like you're in an accounting meeting and you see Kevin and you're like, so Kevin, uh, you're looking smoking hot. (laughs) You know, Kevin's going to be like, that's inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> I gotta call HR. <laughs> Kevin probably don't even like women. Like, no. he, you know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, and and on top of like the reasoning behind Douglas thinking that she'd picked up a man from a bar, on top of her telling him that she'd been going to bars and talking to men, um, on the evening of the thirteenth, which is the night of the murders, mm-hmm. Douglas had stopped in to see Cassandra and the kids, but instead of her usual like. Oh, yeah, come on in. What's up? Stay as long as you want. Um, She kind of acted like she wanted to get rid of him. Oh. She was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, I have diarrhea. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You caught me off guard with that. (laughs) I'm really busy right now. I am washing my hair. I'm going to need you to go. All of this was reported um, to police in an account that the neighbor, Dave, um, that where where Douglas went to call 911, Dave told police all this based on what was told to him by Douglas. Which I would imagine would sound a little bit like, I went to go see her today and then she just wanted me to leave and I don't know what was happening and blah, blah, blah. Douglas later said in an interview, quote, I told her it was dangerous business running those ads, but she said that she thought it was fun. She was a shy person and thought this was a good way to meet some men. And although Douglas was completely cooperative with the police, he soon went into seclusion after the murders and he didn't want to talk to reporters anymore. Oh, well, honestly, I... Don't really blame him. Because could you imagine how annoying it would be to have to rehash this over and over and over every time you see someone from a news crew? In every move you make, people say that you look guilty. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, I'm already grieving the loss of my, like, they must have been best friends. Oh, 100%. I would imagine. So... Uh, But Cassandra's father was very much distraught upon finding out the fate of his daughter and grandchildren. He took it upon himself to do everything in his power to help the police and to find the truth for himself. Um, He even went to police and identified a suspect, Philip E. Wilkinson, um, which he's a former Fort Carson soldier. Okay. So I want to take a minute to talk about this guy. Okay. He is a walking puss ball. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. Just, just so everybody knows. Nice. He is an anal fissure, if I've ever heard Ew. of one. Like, if you're a person, if you're, I'm, if you're, I'm like 12. Ew. Ew. <laughs> if an anal fissure could, like, all of a sudden turn up and be a human being, it would be Philip for sure. Oh, nice. So, this is an account of, of what happened. Um, and like a little summary that I got online of what was going on with Philip. Okay. On January 9th, 1992, uh, the defendant turned himself into Fayetteville Police Department, waived his rights, and gave a tape-recorded confession to Sergeant Jeff Stafford. During this confession, defendant admitted to being a peeping Tom, breaking and entering the apartment of Judy Hudson on the 29th of July, 1991, in the middle of the night. He admitted to beating to death with a bowling pin Miss Hudson, her 19-year-old daughter, Crystal Hudson, and her 11-year-old son, Larry Hudson. 
He also admitted to attempting to rape Crystal Hudson. He admitted to sexually assaulting and anally and vaginally penetrating Miss Hudson and Crystal Hudson to stealing cigarettes, money, and a cigarette lighter from two pocketbooks in the apartment and to breaking into the apartment a second time to retrieve the bowling pin and light bulb that he used to sexually assault Miss Hudson. Uh, why is this person walking around? He's not. Oh, <laughs> he's not. He's So he's now on death row, actually. But police ruled him out as a suspect in Cassandra's murder because he was supposedly in Korea at the oh, time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah. But there was also a leak to the press in 1987 that a new lead stemming from the men who responded to Cassandra's ads had come up and police that spoke to this guy, they were like, oh, I don't like him. They were like, I know that he had something to do with it. Oh, or no. or at least like he was hiding something is yeah. really what they were getting down to. Okay. They were like, something about this guy, he's really suspicious. So if he didn't have something to do with Cassandra's and, and her children's murders, then he was just a shady dude um, because they didn't have any evidence to charge him on. And he had an alibi. Oh, okay. But you know, if like, if you have an alibi and there's no evidence and police are still like, I don't like this guy. Yeah. He did something. Something's <laughs> off. <laughs> we should look into him again, but whatever. <laughs> um, but so in case you haven't done the math yet, it's been 38 years since the murder of Cassandra and her children. And the case is yet to be solved. However, since 1985, there have been some huge developments in the technological side of police work and investigative efforts. So with any luck, hopefully we'll be finding out who did this, uh, whether it's through familial DNA or um, revisiting the evidence and retesting some of the elements of the crime scene. I think familial DNA is like the coolest thing. I love it. I think it's amazing. If you don't know what it is... Uh, we'll try to do a brief summary without me looking well, like it up. The Golden State <clears throat> Killer yes. was, was caught through familiar, familial DNA. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's like Ancestry.com. Mm -hmm. Websites like that, they collect DNA from people who want to know like their ancestry. Yeah. Well, like with the Golden State Killer, he was a direct or a descendant of somebody who'd sent in their DNA. So they used that DNA and cross-matched it with CODIS. They cross-matched it with... The DNA they collected from crime scenes back yes. in eighties and seventies and eighties, I think, mm -hmm. and um, and that's how they caught him. Yeah, mm -hmm. like basically they use that DNA to say, okay, so we know that whoever did this is the the second cousin maternally on this person's side. So then they use that information to just kind of like narrow down the gene pool to see who who could this be, and yeah. then boom, they got their guy. Yeah, and they check out his. I mean, I'm sure they would. Like do their due due diligence and yes. check out where he was, what his like, and what part of the state he was in, like yeah. what job he was at, blah blah blah. You know, yeah. And I I feel pretty confident that this can be solved because at first when I started looking at this, I'm like I have not heard of this case before. Mm -hmm. But then there's been a lot of other podcasts that have done episodes on this case. Huh. When we started this podcast, it was it was all about entertainment, and it is mainly sure. But I think that if we can do some good, and I'm talking about you, the listeners, too, if we can do some good and try to help some of these cases to get solved by a simple word of mouth, mm -hmm. by you telling people about this and say, maybe, maybe not even like you should listen to this case, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, if you weren't around in 1985 in Colorado Springs and you don't know anything about it, and you're like, I ain't got no connection to that. Mm -hmm. You never know. All it would take is like 
go to your parents, go to your grandparents, your older cousins, your uncles, aunts, whatever, and be like, hey, were you around know anything about like Colorado Springs in 1985? And you know, you don't know where that's going to lead to. Yeah, it could be like, oh, yeah, actually, I was staying at my best friend's house who um, lived on LeClade Avenue in Colorado Springs. And uh, yeah, actually, I do remember that day. I remember I was doing this and this and this because Valentine's Day, that's another part of it. That's a holiday. Yeah, you're gonna remember. remember. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's not like a major holiday. Wouldn't that be some crazy stuff if you went to your uncle or your great grandpa even and was yeah. like, or not, maybe not great grandpa. I was going to say easy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like your grandpa. And you're like, hey, have you ever been to Colorado Springs? And you're like, oh, yeah, I was there back in, oh, gosh, the 80s, I think, yeah. like 85. And he's like, yeah, that sounds kind of. Yeah. Familiar. And he's like, I was there to hook up with a chick. Yeah, on Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best Valentine's Day in my life. (laughs) That's That's where where you were conceived. (laughs) (laughs) That's where our family tree begins. (laughs) That's pretty crazy. But you never know, man. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. So um, if you have any information at all about the case, I want to give you the phone number to the Colorado Springs Police Department. It is 719-444-7000. Please don't hesitate. Give them a call. Colorado Springs definitely needs some help because I looked up on uh, coloradosprings.gov and there's about 90 unsolved homicides dating back to 1949. Okay, Colorado Springs, get it together. (laughs) It's a serious problem. My gosh. Actually. Everybody should just move from there. (laughs) Nobody should even like set foot there. (laughs) Only police officers. (laughs) Are allowed to live in Colorado Springs until they solve at least half or three quarters of the amount of unsolved homicides. That's it. That's, you have a test. Pack your bags. <laughs> um. Complete these side missions before you can continue on your main quest. We're going to pretend it's Skyrim. Yeah. But realize. Or Hogwarts Legacy. Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, Which we're talking about that. <laughs> I could just talk about that for a whole episode. I just started playing it. It's phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. That's what I have to look forward to for the rest of the night. No, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. But yeah, so that's the case that I had for you today. Um, I hope that you got something from it. And I hope that the episode might lead to the scumbag getting caught. Scumbag. Scumbag. Get caught. Get caught. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, geez. So do you want to give our... Uh, our final statements for the episode. Yeah, sure. Make sure you guys are following us on all our social medias. So you don't miss any updates and picture references for each episode. Um, our Facebook is tis odd podcast. Our Instagram is tis odd podcast. And also please leave us a review on our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, go ahead and leave us five stars. All right. Please. You know, you want to, um, and you can do that on Apple podcasts and Spotify as well. It really Helps us to grow. Please help us grow. (laughs) Significantly. Photosynthesis. (laughs) And feel free to shoot us an email with any comments, questions, or episode suggestions. No griping. But yeah, that email is tisoddpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. Adios, oddballs. oddballs.